The following audio is a recording from Holy Cross Church in Tucson, Arizona. How about one more time? He is risen. He is risen indeed. Very good. Amen. Well, we are told in the Bible that if Jesus were not alive, then our faith would be pointless. If Jesus were not alive, then we, would, we should have no interest in the life or ministry of Christ. And in fact, the Bible says that we should be pitied, that we should actually, people should feel sorry for Christians who believe and trust in Christ if the resurrection never happened. And so therefore, celebrating the resurrection, that Jesus is alive, is, is a habit of every Christian that we should practice and rejoice in and get excited about. It's the reason why Christians celebrate every Sunday. We celebrate the Resurrection Sunday. Every week we come together. It is the reason why we celebrate the Sabbath and worship on Sunday and not on the, the Jewish Sabbath of Saturday. Because Jesus was raised on Easter. He was risen from the dead. And we celebrate Resurrection Sunday every single week. And if we misunderstand Easter, if we misunderstand the, the resurrection, that Jesus is alive or somehow misinterpret it or misapply it, then, then Easter just becomes this, this one day of the year where we, we reflect on Jesus being a, a great man. That we, you know, we, we're, we're nice to one another, that we, we see him as a nice guy. Easter can feel like that one day a year where you're not allowed to be mean to anybody. You know, It's like if you were rude today or you went home and you snapped at somebody, it's, come on, it's Easter. Be nice just today. Just be nice one day of the year. Maybe on Christmas, but everybody's grumpy on Christmas. So, so Easter, just be happy today. Jesus is alive. And, but we want, to, we want to open up and embrace what the resurrection is and what it means for us every single day. Jesus is alive. He, he was dead. He was truly, really dead. And he is alive today, truly, really alive. And this changes everything. And the resurrection is not just this isolated event in history, but it fits into this grand storyline of God. Jesus was promised in the Old Testament, the Messiah, the one that would come, redeem, and save his people, was promised in the Old Testament. He was born of a virgin. He lived a life without sin. He ultimately was put to death for the sins that you and I have committed and people way before us. He was died and was buried, and on the third day he rose from the dead. Bodily resurrection alive today. And over the course of 40 days following his resurrection, he presented himself to over 500 people. How many of you could, could have 500 people that could attest that you're alive today? That's, you probably couldn't get that if you tried. We have more evidence that Jesus is alive than you are alive. Jesus is really alive. And in, the, in Luke chapter 24, where I'd like to read uh, this morning, we're given an account of Jesus' encounter with his disciples after he raises from the dead. And there we are told that he has breakfast with his friends. He has breakfast with them and appears to them. And so if you'd like, turn with me to Luke chapter 24. I'll begin reading in verse 36. And as they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is myself. 
touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still believed, disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate before them. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are my witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Then he led them out as far as Bethany, and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. And while he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and were continually in the temple blessing God. What a great account. What a great story. Here we have these people eating breakfast, preparing breakfast for themselves, and out of nowhere, Jesus stands in their midst. Their hearts are heavy. They are grieving. They are grieving the loss of their best friend. They are sad, and they don't know what they're seeing, but the passage tells us that they are hesitant to believe. They're hesitant to have joy for what they're seeing before them. They didn't want to get their hopes up. They had just saw their closest friend brutally murdered. And they are just broken people. And now he stands among them. You may have recalled this story about eight years ago, actually eight years ago to this week. There was a story that most uh, major news stations had covered. And it was a story of a mistaken identity. These two girls from Indiana got in a horrible car accident. And one girl, Whitney, their, pa- her, their, her parents were called and they, they said, your, your daughter has not survived the accident. And so they buried her and they mourned her death and loss and they started to begin to cope with the reality of not having her in their life. And then meanwhile, the other friend lays in a coma in the hospital room, bandaged up and bruised and swollen. And she's in a coma for five weeks, and her family sits by her side, praying for her, holding her hand, talking to her. And then she wakes up, she opens her eyes barely, and as she gains the strength, they give her a pad and paper and say, tell us your name, write down your name, and she scribbles down the word, Whitney. And so the family who has, who has buried their daughter and mourned the loss of their daughter and, and has tried to figure out what will life look like without them now gets this call and says, your daughter is alive. After more of a month of thinking that she is dead. And I remember the mom talking about this, the mother and father talking about this reaction and there was this hesitancy, this hesitancy to have joy because what if it's not true? They couldn't bear the fact of having to mourn through that again. And this is the kind of grief that the disciples are feeling. They're hesitant to get excited, to put their hopes on the line again. And after all that they have been through, can we really trust in this? Can we really put everything, our our hopes and dreams and desires and anticipations, can we really put it on Christ who has once left us before? And Jesus, what does he say when he walks into them? He walks into their, their breakfast and says, peace to you. 
You are not alone. You don't need to be afraid. Sin has been defeated and death has been conquered. And I am here with you now. He opens up their eyes to see him. He says, look at the scars in my hands. Look at my feet. Touch me. I'm really here. It is I myself. Hold me. Hug me. Touch me. See me. Touch my body and see that I am with you. Let's eat together. And this is, I love this word that they use for broiled fish. You know, food was so important in the Old Testament, so important in the lives of Jewish people in the first century because it had so much to do with uh, ritual and ceremony that they actually had, we call food, food, but they had a different word for different kinds of food and how they prepared. And so this food, broiled fish, means this is food that they were making and it was hot and it was ready to eat. And Jesus is saying, give me half of your breakfast so that you will not misunderstand. You're not imagining that I ate among you because I took half of your food. I'm eating it with you. Maybe I just imagined this. No, half of my fish is gone. Jesus ate it. See, the resurrection is not this, it's not a sentimental idea. It's Jesus did not raise figuratively. He did not raise metaphorically in our hearts. He's not alive metaphorically in our hearts. He's really physically, bodily resurrected. Flesh and bones, skin and hair alive. He says, see, see that it is I myself, I am not dead. And if Jesus is dead, then our faith has no power. And if, if we believe intellectually in the resurrection, but we have not a personal transformation with God, then our faith is, still has no power. We see Jesus presents himself to his disciples, and we remember Thomas, the story of Thomas, that he says, to Thomas, you believe because you have seen, but blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. For those who trust in Christ, who believe in him and embrace him and, re- and, and embrace the fact and trust that he is alive and he has died for our sins, then to those who trust in him, our future is like his. Our future is with him, resurrected with him. And after he opens their eyes to see that he's alive, see what he does? He opens their minds to understand what it means. In verse 45, it says, He opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. This is the best Bible study, breakfast Bible study that there has ever been. Do you understand? Jesus is now alive, and He sits down with them, and He opens up the Scriptures, and He shows them how everything was meant to lead up to this point. And He shows how everything that has been spoken has been spoken about Him. The prophets, the Old Testament prophets, the Psalms of David, the, book of the, the books of the Torah, all of these were meant to talk about Jesus, that He is our hope. He is the resurrection and the life. And He's flipping through. He's telling them, look at this is where I am, and this is where I am, and this is where I am, and now I stand before you alive. This is not like enduring some breakfast slideshow that your you know relatives come back and bring and say look at where i have been this is like this is amazing it's intriguing it's captivating he's opening their minds to understand and the resurrection proves that god is a promise keeping god that everything that he has said will come true it's interesting what he says isn't it he says he opens their minds you know what this expression means, right? To be open-minded. It means to, have, to evaluate fairly. To have a fair perspective on things that are before you. To be open-minded. 
So you won't hear me say this very often, but have an open mind about Scripture. But listen to this. If you have a fair-minded evaluation of history and of today and of God's Word, we will see that all of life, as Jesus lays it out, all of life is meant to orient around Christ. The fairest and most level-headed perspective that you and I can have is to consider everything in our lives to be oriented around relationship with Christ. That is the most level-headed and fair-minded thing that we can do. To realize it is all about Jesus. Some might say Christianity is a set of beliefs. Others might say it is, it is an experience with God. And I want to say it is about both. That Christianity is about beliefs. It has hard edges. It is about truths. There are things that are about it that are true. There are things that are, are not true. And historical events and truths. But it is more about that. It is about a personal connection with Christ, the living God. Christianity says that if you really want to experience God, you need to believe that He truly lived, that He truly died, that He truly is alive today. And when we embrace this truth and orient our life around it, it leads to an experience that helps us go deeper and deeper into understanding of what it means for us. Jesus lived the life that you and I should live, but failed to live, and He died the death that you and I deserve. He is treated like us so that by faith we could be treated like him. He opens their eyes to see what is true. He opens their minds to understand how everything is connected in him. And then lastly, he opens their mouths. He tells them to tell others what they have learned. And what have they learned? That the Christian life is not about what we do for God, but what God has done for us He lives the life that we should live. He died the death that we deserve. He approaches us and shows us mercy. He sends us power and enables us to live a life pleasing to Him. The Christian life is not what we do, but what God does for us. And the message of the cross is not that Jesus was a great person. The message of the cross was not that He he lived well, that He loved well. But He says, tell them this message. Go and tell them this that there is repentance, that there is opportunity to turn from a life of sin and turn towards Christ for forgiveness of those sins. He welcomes us, every one of us, into this new life on the basis of what He has done. And He says, tell everyone about this. Tell everyone that life is centered and based on my work for them not on their work for me. Sin is defeated. The penalty for that sin, which is spiritual death and physical death, has been conquered. Tell everyone that death is defeated. If there was only a way that someone could, that sinners could find forgiveness, if there was only a way that sinners could somehow get this shame and guilt that is in their heart away from them, if there's only some way that someone could have a loved one or themselves die and have hope after death, And Jesus says, there is, and that I am that hope. Jesus says, go tell everyone that they can repent and be forgiven. Spiritual victory right now over sin. Friendship with God right now. Go and tell them right now that they can have friendship with God. That their life would not be defined by their brokenness, but by the hope in me. That their life can be centered on me, and that they can have Friendship with God. Go tell them that right now. Go tell them that there's power in their life to change their life right now. 
The resurrection is the beginning of the end of everything that is broken in our lives and in this world. How do we orient our life around the resurrection? How do we live with this perspective? How do we orient our thoughts, our minds, our hearts, our mouths around the resurrection, that Jesus is truly alive? Well, I would like to, I'd like to follow what the disciples were called to do, and first is that we would open our eyes, that we would ask that God would open our eyes, that God would reveal himself to us, that he would show us, present himself to us, that God would make himself known in our struggles, wherever you are in your life, whatever you're struggling through, I pray that God would make himself known to you in that struggle, that he is alive and you are not without hope. We need to have this vision for God that is marked by this passionate pursuit of Jesus. And you may be thinking, passionate, passionate pursuit of Jesus? I know what that's like. I have a a great aunt that's passionate about Jesus, and I don't want to be passionate for Jesus. What does this mean to have passion for Christ, to live a life of passion? It doesn't mean to be this, this weird fanatic, but to have passion for Jesus is to realize that when our life is not oriented around Him, our perception about everything is off. Our perception about our struggles and our pain and even our joys and victories, everything is, is off. We don't see things clearly. But when we see th- things through the resurrection, through the lens of his, uh, of his risen victory, then we live a life passionate, centered around Him. To have passion about the resurrection is to live like the disciples, to understand to, to live like them with the idea that we are grieved with the thought of Christ not being in our life. If the absence of Christ in your life doesn't make you grieve and, and feel a loss and feel an emptiness, then it is that we need to go to Him for. We need to go for that vision. Let me feel pain if, you, if, you, if I don't feel your presence in my life. Let me feel a loss if I feel disconnected from you. The disciples had a passion for friendship with Jesus, and when he was absent from them, they had nothing to live for. When you understand the resurrection, you don't only believe, but you have passion. Wherever you are in your life today, it is meant to drive you towards a deeper relationship with Jesus. Your work, your struggles, your family, your dreams, all that is in your life so that you are meant to interact with Jesus personally. And so we pray, God, would you make yourself known in that struggle? Would you reveal yourself to me and let me orient my life around you? Because you are alive and that means that everything you've said about yourself and everything you've said about me is true. And I also ask that that we would, we ask that we would open up our minds to understand That we would trust in Jesus. And trusting in Jesus, having faith in Christ, is not this blind leap in the dark. It isn't just, well, I guess I just have to, I just have to do it. I have to just take that leap. I gotta, I just gotta believe. They say I have to have faith, and so I'm gonna close my eyes and, and take that leap of faith, take a chance. But our faith is based on this explicit work of Christ. The split the explicit work of Jesus on the cross for us on our behalf. Jesus sat down with his disciples and explained to them how everything in their life and his life fit together for God's glory. All their pain and all their confusion, all the surprises that happen in life, Jesus is saying it fits together. 
And so I hope that we would have a mind, an open mind to understand how the resurrection proves that all things fit together. We don't have to be without hope when we stumble and fall. We don't have to be without hope when we grieve and experience loss. But it all fits together in God's wonderful love for us. If the resurrection is true, then everything that Jesus has said is true about himself. And it's also true about us, that we are broken people in a broken world and without hope apart from him. That this means that no amount of effort, no amount of character development, no amount of performance or turning over a new leaf or great intention can earn this favor and friendship with God. But only through Christ can we get those things. Jesus came to die and atone for our sins because we could not die and atone for them ourselves. No matter what is going on in your life, Jesus can trust you. And I hope that, I mean, I'm sorry, you can trust Jesus. He can't trust you. You're not trustworthy. I I want you to hear that. I want you to hear that correctly and rightly, that whatever is going on, you can trust in Christ. Because everything that he has said has come to pass, and everything that he's promised to us will come to pass, because he is alive. It is not a dead faith. It is not a dead uh, confession. It is a, a, a vibrant faith in a risen Lord. And then we need to open our mouths and proclaim his name. The last thing that Jesus did for his disciples was bless them. And you picture him standing over his disciples, them in in their awe and in their belief now as their hearts and minds are open. And he's raising his hands and he's blessing them. And they look on his hands and they see the scars. And he's saying, this is how I love you. This is the expression of my love for you. You can trust me. Look at what I've done for you. And standing there, they are in awe of, of, of this expression of what he has done. And that's the last thing he does for them. The first thing they do for him is they worship. They go and worship out of joy. Romans 10 verse 9 says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with, for with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. There is only one person without sin, and that is the risen Lord Jesus Christ. So everybody else, you, me, and everyone else included, means that we should be in this pattern of confession, repentance, forgiveness, and celebration. And seeing that pattern in our life every day. Confessing our sins. And that's just, that's just admitting when we mess up. Saying, yes, I admit that when I mess up. And, and re- repenting of that sin. Turning from our sin and towards Christ. And he says, I promise that you will see forgiveness when you do that. And then there's celebration. There's joy and abundant worship for what he has done. This is a rhetorical question. I don't need you to tell me, but how many of you don't repent? Or at least how many of you don't repent often or regularly on a regular basis? How many of you just don't see that pattern in your life? Yeah, I don't. I'm not in that pattern of of admitting when I'm wrong to others and to God when I sin. I'm not in that pattern of looking at my sin, turning from it, and then turning to Christ. Because Jesus is alive, this is the great invitation that we have, is we are able to turn from sin and find forgiveness. And it is not possible without repentance. It is not possible for that forgiveness without turning from a life that is apart from Christ, where we seek our own salvation and our own happiness and our own joy. We need to turn to Him. He invites us into this reality where He takes our sin and we take His righteousness. 
The symbol for Christianity is a cross, not a ladder. It is not like, okay, Jesus did this for us, now let's climb our way to Him. Let us work our way to Him. And every step closer, we become a better person. We become more important, more worthy, more favorable. The symbol is not a ladder that we, cr- we get to Him, but it is a cross where we see our sins atoned for. And we say, that, Jesus, now that you are alive, what do we do? What do we, what do we tell people? Do we climb? Do we work for you? Do we work our way to a better life? And Jesus says, tell them to turn to me. Tell them to look at my cross and see the extent of my love for them. Tell them to turn from their life of sin, shame, and guilt and to me for forgiveness and eternal life. Tell them to leave their sin and to follow me. Jesus says, I have come so that they may have life and have it to the full. Do you believe this? Do you live this? Do you embrace this in your life? Do you orient your life around this truth that Jesus is alive and our sin is atoned for, covered over on the cross and he's alive and he invites us, says, you can bring your sin to me. I can handle it. I have already handled it. I have already died for it. Come and have life. And today and every day, we worship Jesus. We worship Him not because He's just given us an option, not because He's given us a ladder and said, now work your way to me. We worship Him because He has given us Himself. He has presented Himself to us, alive, and our hope and salvation is in Him and Him alone. Amen. That is what we celebrate. Let's pray together. For more audio and information, please visit holycrosstucson.com.